work. This morning's message on this August morning is a servant of God's daily walk. A servant of God's daily walk. And I don't know, in this generation we're trying to a lot of people look at Christianity as being something mystic or something that just, I don't know, it's the, how we're looking at Christianity. And like I said, we're trying to be aware of Christian nationalism because it's something that's popular with people, but it's from the aspect of the secular way, of the secular being. In other words, there's no truth, there's no repentance to it. In other words, there's no spirit to it. The spirit is not powering Christianity today. A lot of people have a knowledge of the word of God or whatever, but there are very few true servants of God, just as there were during the Old Testament time, during those times. It takes takes humility to become a servant of God. In other words, being truthful with yourself and with others and a consistent examining of yourself and a dependence upon God and a dependence upon His Spirit. I tell you, we were in Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, and these servant songs that we're looking at, a lot of them are messianic in its viewpoint of the perspective But we as New Testament believers know that anything that applied that Jesus Christ did, not that we can do all things. So let me put that exclusion in there, not that all of it applies to us in the same way. But the application is, as they done it to him, as things he done, he done it as a man. That's why he came as a man to set himself as a pattern, an example for us to follow. So as he walked, we also have to walk that same way. And it's going to be much suffering in there. And that's Israel rejected him because he was a suffering Messiah. Just like today, a lot of people reject us and they reject the Christianity that we preach and teach because it's it's not an elaborate Christianity with all the bells and whistles and all the flamboyancy and prideful actions and things that true Christianity has. It's, it's a very narrow way to be a servant of God. And, and if you look at the past servants of God, they were not glamorized and the world today in this Christianity are making rock stars of them, or glamorize them in, in a way that distance them, distance themselves and distance with their preaching and teaching, far from the historical figures, far from the actual people of, that lived during that time. That's why a lot of people talk about the historical Jesus and Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we're listening today at another Jesus being preached and false uh, servants of God that as we're reading this parable of, of this lesson from the book of Matthew, the 25th chapter, we see that he gave challenge to all of the servants, but he gave one talent to one servant that wasn't truly a servant of God. He went and hid his talent. He didn't do anything with the talent he did, he had. So that's symbolic of the world today. They have a knowledge of God. They have, they can hear what, well, they can't hear. Let me, let me take that. They can't hear and they can't understand. But they're reading the word of God, but they're reading it from a humanistic point of view enforcing their interpretations, enforcing their beliefs upon the text, upon what it is to be a servant of God. Job was a true servant of God, but look look at his life and how it went. Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of the prophets, Jesus Christ, all of them that were servants of God, they were suffering servants, and some of them didn't realize or understand, but 
the Spirit was with him. And that's why God says, His Spirit He was going to give unto us. And we need that Spirit to help us to be the true servants of God, to help us to walk as the servants of God. So being a servant of God is something, you remember as we read that he said, for as many as received to him, those he gave power to become the sons of God. And I tell you that word power, we can look at it says the ability to become the sons of God. In other words, it's a process. Once he puts us in a state of justification, we don't remain dormant there. We don't remain still there. It's a point that he gives us of his spirit. And in that spirit, it strengthens us and enables us to become servants of God. That's why what he did to Job over a lifetime, Job had lived this over a lifetime. And that way when Satan was going around, he had already seen Job, but he knew he couldn't get to Job because Job was in Christ. He was in God, in other words. He was a servant. He said, have you tried my servant Job? So Job was already a servant, but we still see the trials and the testing. That's what's going to come our way. That's our determination of whether we're good and faithful servants. And we see that this one servant in this Matthew, the 25th chapter, that he took the talent, in other words, took the breath of God, took what this servant had, and gave it to the other servant that had more, and cast him into outer darkness. Because as a servant, he didn't do what, what God had given him. And it's a many of us, it's a many of people in the world today, it rains on the just and the unjust, but on the unjust, that, that it rains on them, they still can't see God and come to God and do works that put them in a justifiable state. They could be made honorable, they could be made vessels that you could use, but they still remain self-centered, self-serving, there's no repentance, there's no conversion in their lives. In Isaiah, God had told Isaiah this in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, that they wasn't going to be able to understand, comprehend, hear, or see. So it's not disappointing unto us, but when Isaiah was commissioned, he says, Lord, send me. He realized, just like we should realize today, that we will have to keep hammering God's word and God's message home to the people around us, and we're going to have to live this word. We're going to have to actually live it every day in our everyday walk. We're going to have to live in the presence of God because our body is no longer our bodies. But we have a job to do as servants of God. This first point that we look at here, servants of God, in our day-to-day theme, living, is achievement. The achievements that we do are the achievements in our lives. Every servant of God is driven by desire to please their master. Every servant should be driven by that desire. So Christ, he is in us. Listen at this 42nd chapter before I read this. It says, Behold my servant in whom I uphold my elect. And just like Jesus Christ was elect, he was the chosen of God. And it says, And to whom my soul delighted, I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He was a light unto the Gentiles. Well, we as a chosen people are elect, the elect of God. We're the elect of God. So all of this, we have to look at a future, a past, and a present in this. So we're not what we once were because he had chosen us in Christ Jesus. And he says he has put his spirit upon us and put the spirit within us. Okay, as that spirit is put upon us, we're looking unto Jesus. There are many that profess to be born again believers. There are many that have tasted of this goodness of God. But it it wasn't that they had the spirit. They were not born again, but they were in the church. They were among the believers. 
just like Israel, all of Israel was the chosen people, but Israel didn't attain to it. Israel didn't do what God had chose them to do. It's just like this servant didn't do what he was supposed to do with what he had. So we have to do something with the gift of life that God has given us. He says, he shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he has set judgment in the earth and the isles uh, <clears throat> shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that uh, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light unto the Gentiles. To open up blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord, that that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, neither praise to graven image. Bring light, uh, open the eyes to those that are blind, those that are in prison, to bring out of the prison and those that are in darkness, that are in light. Hadn't he given us, if he was the light, God had given him as a covenant, he was the light, as long as he was in the world. But he said, if I be taken out of the world, if I be taken out, he says, you're the lights of the world. Let your light so shine that men would see your light. So here is indicative that we should be, this is what we should be, Little lights in the world showing forth Christ Jesus. As his servants, we're to work for our master and do that which he commanded us to do. In the Great Commission, he says, Go ye into all of the world and preach the gospel, teaching them all that he had taught us, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Lord, I'll be with you until he'll be with us until the end of the world. In other words, until the end of this world, but he would be in us and dwelling us, but throughout, after the end of the world, because this world does come to an end when he delivers up the kingdom to the Father. And all this, like I said earlier, is we're looking for a point of restoration to end point that we will be in the kingdom that we help bring forth that kingdom that we pray for that thy kingdom will come that thy kingdom does come and it shall be done here on earth as it is in heaven that's what we mourning and groaning for we sighing because of the wickedness and the evilness that's going on in the world but as servants of God we work to help bring this to pass because we are part of the body of Christ. I told you the first point was achievement. Every servant of God is driven by those desires. Now there's something that has happened to us. The book of Romans, the sixth chapter, look what, what has happened here. And that's what I say. Without studying the show ourselves approved, workmen that need not be ashamed rightly divide the word of truth. And I don't know. Only you know whether you're studying your Bible every day. Whether you're reading your Bible every day. Only you know that in God. Whether you're really applying that and you know, you have to die to self. In other words, you can't sit down talking with everybody or whatever. You have to work every day. If you're not working, you at home, you need to be praying for the church and praying for the different things in life and reading the Word of God. But you still need to be a light unto everybody around you. But you have to study the Word of God and assimilate it into your life and into your very being to be a doer of that Word. He says, if you continue in my Word, then are you my disciples. Listen at this, what he says. Romans 6, chapter 12 through the 14th verse. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. 
neither ye are ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but ye are yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. If we're under grace now, if we by faith, if grace through faith, accept this born-again reality, we believe in Jesus Christ, and those of us that have believed, He had given us the power, the ability to become sons of God. So if that mind's in us that is in Christ Jesus and we're dying to self daily knowing our body is no longer our bodies, our members aren't those of of our own. So we can't do with our members what we want to. It says, yield your members unto righteousness. So we have to be careful what we allow our eyes to see. We have to be careful what we look at. Because that helps process your thought life. That's why Jesus said, he, he who looketh out for a woman to lust after already committed adultery in his heart. That's one of the devices of Satan John tells us about in 1 John when he says all that is in the world it's the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. It enters in through those portals there. And that's what this world does. It puts materialism or mamma in your life. Most, A lot of us spend a, a great portion of our day thinking of the material things that we desire or want or that covet after, that we look at, the, look at television and desire these things or the things in the world, the things online. There are cooking shows, there are shopping shows, there are amusements and entertainment and all of the movie stars and everything and it puts desires and thoughts that are in our lives, in our daily lives that are not it's not convenient or conducive to a child of God so you're not coming out of the world we can't get entangled in this world if we've been saved by God through faith by grace grace through faith you heard the word of God so that word is what keeps us alive and for sin not to reign in our body we can't yield ourselves to those things that causes these problems. Now, I, I, I know you have to be able to see things around you and all these things, but in other words, it has no, it shouldn't have an effect on you. You should be controlling it and not it controlling you through the mortification of your body. In other words, dying daily to those things. Your desires and passions and lust are not to those things but you desire the things of God. You desire the things of the King. You, you're not working toward those things in the world. You're not working all of those things. You have to have a lot of things that you need to go by. But those are the things that God fulfills your very prayers for. Because as you pray to God, He's giving you those things that you ask for because you're not asking for things to consume it upon your own lust. You're not asking amiss. That's why, you know, I ask you about certain things in your life or whatever because we have to be careful what we ask for, but also we have to be careful of the things that God freely give us that come into our lives. So as we have to keep under our body, and mortification is dying to self, to the desires our prayers more or less are for others now because self is dead if we die and we no longer walk as the Gentiles walked. He has quickened us and made us alive. So we're not craving or hungering after those things. We're content with such that God gives us as such that we have so those desires and passions we're, we're mortifying. In other words, we're not allowing those to come into us to cause those desires and wants. 
I, I hope we're understanding this, and hopefully the Spirit, the Spirit makes this or will bring this alive to us. That's why it says meditating on His Word, being a good Berean, going back and studying to see whether those things are true. But prayer, it has to be watered by the by prayer, by praying to God. If we notice Anna and Simeon and all of the saints of God, Elijah, they prayer were their number one priority. Daniel. In other words, we have to stay in communication with God. We have to commune and commute with Him because He has to commute back to us the things of God, and that's through meditating on His Word. Hiding His Word deep within our hearts, He brings that Word to life. He makes it alive. He makes it a living part of you who you are. Man shall not live by bread alone. What we're living by, by the word of God. That's why we have to think on these things and meditate. That's why I say scripture starts to fall in place in your life in your sleeping in time, just in your unconscious state, when in your subconscious. That's why you have dreams and whether you have a restful night's sleep or not is that it's re- Organizing, it's organizing and indexing all of the things that went about that that day. So if those things was of God, and the meditations was of God, and about God, how you could please Him, what else you can do, all of the things, well then that prompts the Spirit in you to be led to help lead you by the Spirit because His Spirit communicates with our Spirit. And the only thing way we can realize or know that we are children of God is said because those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. But that Spirit can't lead an unrepentant soul. That Spirit can't lead an unhumble soul, an unprideful soul. All of those things causes works of the flesh in the Spirit is not causing the work of the action to be done. So point two here would be the action of the ability. The action of the ability. Is it of self or is it of God? Now remember, our former life is the, it's the almost mirror the new life, but in the new life it is God that is in us that work it both to will and to do. So that what we want to do, we can't do. Now what I'm about to talk about here, Paul analyzes and tells us in the very next chapter. I'm talking chapter 6 here. But Paul tells us of how he was struggling in the 7th chapter, how to do this, because he says, therefore, that the struggle that his old nature is trying to bring him in the captivity of his mind because we're having a time putting self to death. And if the apostle Paul struggled with that, imagine us, how we struggle. But it's the same spirit that worked in Paul, that worked in Jesus. It's by that same spirit that the preachers that don't realize, he says, when the in the Peter and the rest of said, he said, by which spirit he went and preached to the spirits that was in prison. Well, that's not in hell preaching to people to bring people out of hell, even though the spirits that rose in the resurrection and those that came out of the grave, those were spirits that was obedient to God in the old life. Because we're saved by the same thing. That is, ever since Noah's time, you can hear it way back there. So don't let nobody tell you there's a different way to salvation. How was Noah saved? By grace. It was the grace of God. Nobody measures up. The only one that can measure up would be Jesus Christ. That's why we're all in him. He's the object of our faith. But they didn't see that object or know that object back then. But yet and still in the Old Testament, you'll see that they were all servants of God. But we're all saved by grace. So listen at this. It says, every day is a struggle put, to put the old man to death 
And it has to be a walk of faith. In other words, contend for that faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Not this new faith and not faith in faith, but this faith in Jesus Christ, this faith in the establishment of the kingdom of God, is faith in his word, that when you heard that word preached, it gave you something. It, it's in our, it's just like when somebody says something is in our DNA. Christ had, God had put that in us ever since the beginning of the world. He says he had chosen us from the foundations of the world. We had been chosen. All of this is in, it's, it's been established in the mind of God. He's just bringing things to pay us now. Listen at the ninth verse. It says, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and now do I declare before they spring forth, and I tell you of them. And he's going to bring forth new things. In other words, there was a planning time and a conception time, but it was in the wisdom of God. Jesus was that wisdom of God that was here in the beginning with God. He was the word that was made flesh and that was in the beginning with God. So we were with him, and we were chosen. You remember I told you we were elected and chosen from the foundation of the world? He had predestinated us. So we were in him and to come forth at a set time. That's why I say we're blossoming, we're blossoming as we are watered by the word of God. That's what the preacher do. That's what teaching and thing does. It waters you with the word. Paul says, Apollos planted, I watered God, give it the increase. So prayer also fertilizes it and brings forth these things. But actually, also, you must be a doer of the word of God. You know, you can pray about it all you want to, but you remember Moses was calling and praying unto God at the Red Sea, and he says, why cried unto me? Get across that Red Sea and told him what to do. So sometimes we have to stop praying and actually do what God had told us to do. You have to be a doer of God's Word. So meditating on it, but we have to have action. God is a God of action. Every day is this struggle. Romans 6, chapter 15 through the 18 verse, it says, Okay, what then? Shall we sin? Well, because we are not under the law, but under grace. I've told you we was under grace. So shall you sin then? And that's the problem with today's Christianity. They're sinning because a lot of them, they preach violence, they advocate violence. They're not very merciful. Their rude and their tactics are not those of Christ. Christ didn't use these tactics. Can we do evil that good should come from it? No. We have to run legally. You remember Paul says, all contended for the prize of the crown, but only those that win because you don't want to be disqualified. You don't want to do things, the wrong thing in the sense that, look, Back here, this is what you did that was wrong, and you willingly do, did this, and you knew this was wrong as a Christian. That can't be a part of your character. We have to, what, lay aside every weight, every sin, all of those things. So these people that are preaching another Jesus, identical Jesus, but it's not by faith, it's not, they don't have of the Spirit of God. But we have to be close enough to Christ to see this and to know this and that he'd be in us. And that's why it starts that first word in chapter 42 is, Behold my servant. In other words, look closely. A lot of times I'll say something to y'all or whatever, but a person that says something or tell you about something, do you have the perception or the discernment to say, well, that person was watching me more closely than I thought they were? We're not realizing that we're accomplished about by such a great cloud of witnesses. So that we have to run this race because if they have something against you or if they see this, that's part of the testimony that you're not walking as you should be walking. You're looking puzzled here. What I'm saying is, 
how about your neighbors and how about the things you say under pressure and your actions is this a defamation or a profane the name of God in other words are you coming to church but do your neighbors see you acting in an ungodly way you remember that's the consequences that fell upon David because he said you caused my name to be blaspheming among the Gentiles you going around here cursing and having sinful thoughts and working evil and wickedness and doing all these things and not living in a godly way and then you come before me, you pray to me and come give me offerings and sit up in church. He says, shall I honor you for these things? Shall I receive and accept these people? You serve serving a God that see all you doing. So you have to be careful how you treat those, uh, those that are without the church because they're going to say, well, I ain't going over there because I know the way he lived. I know things and people are watching. The perspective is, is the thoroughness, does Christianity, does the word of God, does his spirit permeate your whole being? You know, I used that in one of the sermons, permeates. In other words, it has to be thorough throughout you. You have to furnish this house because it's the body of Christ. It's God's body. You can no longer do what you want with your body. You can't look at what you want. Forget about the abortion movement. A woman's body is not her body to do what she wants to do. She don't have a choice if she's in Christ. In the world, you may have choices. In the secular world, but do you know that Christ has chosen us and that we have to present our bodies as living sacrifices unto him and we can no longer do with our bodies what we want to do. It's very important. He says, so we can't sin that grace shall abound. God forbid. Know ye not? This goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about this uh, achievement about your body, yielding your body to it. It says, know ye not that to whom you yield your servants to obey his servants are ye to whom you obey. Are you yielding yourself to sinful thoughts? Because men's thoughts were continually evil, the reason he destroyed the old world. What are you yielding yourselves to? Are you yielding yourselves to disobedience? Whatever you yield yourself to, that's what you're serving of. That's what has brought you into bondage. If you yield yourself unto Christ, then you're his bondservant. We always talk about, Paul talks about being a bondservant of Jesus Christ. James, the brother of Jesus, he started calling himself a bondservant. In other words, I'm a slave. I'm a bondservant. I belong to Christ. I'm a servant of God. I can't go where you go. I can't use my mouth and, and the language and I can't say what you say. I can't, none of those things, because I don't no longer belong to myself. I'm dead. I'm actually sitting in heavenly places. It is Christ in me. So I have to say that not my will be done. I, I might want to do that. I might want to eat these things. I might want to go these places. A lot. And it, believe me, we all have the same. The same thing is common to all of us. I have those temptations. I have those thoughts. I have to bring every thought into the captivity and obedience of Jesus Christ. So I try to stay away from things that start to bring those thoughts into my mind. I can't have those conversations because it elicits the wrong thoughts. That's what happens with a lot of the music, the Christian music and things nowadays. With the beat and the lyrics and things, it causes our body to be in a disposition, a, a, a way of life unto which it's not conducive to Christianity. The dances and all of the things that it causes. That's why stop dragging these Trojan horses of Christian rap and all of these other things in there because music is a gateway. Let your music honor Christ, but you have to be careful of the lyrics, of the melody, and of all these things because Satan is very wise. He's over ye he has years of experience and he's very, very subtle. 
He brings these things in slowly, and before you know it, you're being slipped into darkness. David was a very strong warrior, and he did everything to please God. He he always wanted to be pleasing unto God, but over a period of time, he let his God down and caused one of his very best soldiers to be murdered after committing adultery with his wife. It's servants of God who have fought good battles, but they didn't stay vigilant. He says, watch therefore, because we have to be, the adversary seeks to devour each and every one of us. As we go about it, it says, but God be thanked that you ye were the servants of sin. We used to. All of this, like I say, so in a continual past, present state, we used to do these things. You used to know me like that. I used to be a servant of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine. Notice Paul says, the form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Remember I said that doctrine that was delivered, the faith that was once delivered through the preaching, through apostolic preaching and teaching. This is a new form. This is this is the thing that has quickened us and made us alive. Now we dead in trespasses and sin. We've been forgiven. We've been justified. We've been Put in right standing. Now it is finished. Jesus has completed it. I'm beholding him. My focus is up on Jesus Christ. All I have to do is walk therein. Walk therein. I have to take heed to myself. Being made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. What you're serving of? A servant of righteousness. What does God say? In righteousness his servants will come forth. He says the sixth verse, I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant. If he holds thine hand, you know, going across the street, a child holds on to his father's hand? No. Because what happened, the father holds on to the child's hand because that child could let go, but that father's not going to let go. That mother's not going to let go. She grabs him and ducks him and brings him forward. Who, who God holds in his hand, the devil's in hell can't pluck him off. The child goes, and daddy, hold my hand because I don't want, because, you know, I'm glad I'm not in charge of my salvation. I'm glad it's not me. He's the author and the finisher of my faith. And he says he'll never leave me. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So if he holds me, nothing can pull me out. Nothing can loose his hold on me. He he says, I'll hold thee. I'll hold thine hand. I'll bring thee. All of this is in Christ. These is his promises. That's what we have hope in. It's the promises of God. What do you say? We have faith that he has said it and he will do it. He's going to accomplish these things. The ability. Ability. In other words, the power. I'm tell you, I said my wife has to go to physical therapy and the doctor told her, you have to keep doing this regimen and the physical therapist is going to keep applying it. It's like lifting weights. They're going to keep making it harder and harder. The resistance grows in lifting weights. You have to keep adding weights on. You can't use the same weight all the time because you get adjusted. You get acclimated to it. Just like coming in here, sitting in here, you get acclimated to the temperatures different than it was out there but after a while after you get acclimated to it sometimes you have to lower it or adjust it because now you can feel after your body has become one with it so what Christ does is we don't stay still we keep adding to those talents once he gives us that talent his spirit is a spirit that is zeal by faith we have works that's how the works comes through faith. In other words, by my faith, I'll show you through works. A faith without works is a dead faith. And so the power comes by exercise of use. Your strength in the Word of God comes from reading the Word of God, making it a part of you, not just 
the 23rd Psalm, not just Acts 2.38, not just those Psalms or those words that now like the other week I told you Psalms 41 and 10, I mean Isaiah 41 and 10, how popular it was. But if you watch it, all of the Word of God is very popular and it's very potent. It's the power of God unto salvation. He told Timothy, read and study the Scripture. They're able to make you wise unto salvation. So if you eating, Paul says, I hadn't failed to declare the whole counsel of God. So we have to study the whole word of God. That's what causes us and helps us grow. The ability lies in the word of God. He had all given them talents. Now, if we the way to multiply those talents is put them to use. Don't just go hide that talent in the earth. You have to put it to use. You have to start telling people. You have to start working. As a servant of God, you want to do something to please your master to where at the end you can hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Through trials and struggles, through hardships, through all of the things that you've been through, you've been faithful and loyal unto me, persevering, overcoming. God will give us the ability to accomplish this. Now, you remember there was some that went out and some that's not listening. And I told you, it is very important. Mary had chose the good thing. See, it wasn't anything working wrong with working, but Martha was encumbered by much work, and she was envious of Mary. She said, Lord, tell Mary to help me. But he says, Mary had chosen the good thing. That's to hear the word of God. So we have to not only hear the word of God, we must follow those instructions. Now, it's a lot of people that heard the word of God. And we notice in the last days when the perilous time comes, it's going to be those with itching ears wanting to hear that which pleases them. So they hear the word of God, and the word of God empowers their natural side. In other words, the natural part of them is stimulated by emotions and feelings and a desire for pride, a desire for uh, uh, actions in life and different things. These are the ones that heard the word, that fed the thousands, that cast out devils and did all these works, but God didn't know them. Because his instructions to his disciples in Luke the 24th and the 49th verse says, listen carefully, he says, I'm sending the promise of my Father that he is the Holy Spirit upon you, but you are to remain in the city of Jerusalem. You tarry in Galilee until you are clothed or fully equipped with power from on high. God has told them to go back. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost when they were all filled. You have to have that spirit to do that work. That's why a lot of servants of God, of people in the church, burn out. They're working in their own power. We have to work in the power of Jesus Christ. That's why he says those that are burdened and heavy laden come unto him and he'll give them rest. He's the one that's going to give them rest. But if we're letting him carry the burden and the load, we don't burn out. We don't give up hope. We can keep on going. And a lot of people get in the church and they run real fast and they burn out. But we have to have the ability to wait upon God. God says in the 42nd verse of that chapter, I mean the 42nd chapter of Isaiah, the first one, the one that we are in, about that spirit. Remember? This, that in Lucas, a fulfillment of that spirit on the Acts of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, when they were all filled with the spirit. He said, promised that also, 42 and 1, he said, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. So when you get that spirit, when we when we are filled with that spirit, that's when we're able to mourn and sigh for the wrongs that are being done in the earth. That's when we can go forth in the power of God and witness and do what he had commissioned us to do as servants of God. As servants of God, that's when we can carry for that. We have to have that power. Now, like I said, 
there are a lot of people that are not tearing and waiting until they get that power. That there are a lot of antichrists out there. There are a lot of people in this nation, in the churches, and the places that are camouflaging because these are the last days that we're in. Now I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version, First John two eighteen through twenty. He says, "Children, it is the last hour. It is the end of this age." And just if you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, that is the one who opposes Christ and attempts to replace him. I told you about Christian nationalism. I've told you about the politicians and all of the pastors and churches that are spewing this false Christianity, but it's Christ in God's. These are Antichrist. Antichrist means in place of. They're not preaching the true Jesus, but this is another Jesus but they're preaching Jesus. These are bewitching you. That's why he asked the Galatians, who had bewitched you with this teaching? Who had bewitched you because of this doctrine? It was a subtle shift. The church had apostatized. That's why it says, until the man of sin will be revealed, and there comes a falling away. What is the falling away from? Church, you know, it's from the upstanding in the church, the right doctrine, doing that which is right, this Christ, this antichrist that has arise, arisen, is saying that he's Jesus, that he's Christian, but it's a, in the place of the true Christ. He says, even now there are many antichrists, in other words, false teachers, Satan's ministers are transforming themselves into angels of light. We're still the true lights, but there are different lights. But we're the true light. We should be the true light in Jesus Christ. But they're transforming themselves into angels of light, which confirms our belief that this is the last hour. That's the same consistent with as I believe. And that's why I say, in the word of God, it gives you comfort because you're seeing that your beliefs lining up with what the word of God says. Not that the word of God says is lining up what you believe. You have to line up with the word of God. The plummet line is the word of God, as Amos says that the plummet, the measuring thing. So we that what they're doing, they're making a God in, in their image and everything, and their leaven is crooked and, and making a different standard. But we have to die to self. If we're believing wrong, God shows us by his word what is right and light. That's what we conform to. That's what we become. So we're conforming to the word by the renewing of our mind. We're being transformed. We're being changed from what we want. We're dying to self with consistency here. They, it says they went out from us, seeming as first to be Christians, but they were not really of us because they were not truly born again or spiritually transformed. That's why I say a lot of the mega churches, a lot of the churches, they're not preaching repentance. There's no spiritual renewal. They're living all types of lives. And I'm not just talking about the major sins. See, sometimes you can see by those sins that I forgot, venial sins of what they call them, but I say sin is sin. If you hate hateful, if you hate other nationalities, if you hate races and creeds, if if you hate a person's class of living, uh, or what class they are, who, it's different forms that you can take. If you covetous, all of those things that the churches are preaching into the church because that's what the prosperity gospel does a lot of times. It breeds covetousness into you. And that's why Jesus was saying, by your traditions, you may know the word, the word of God, the commandments of God about honoring your parents because it's a lot of them that are not going back. They've made it. They're, they're living fabulous lives and have plenty of money or whatever, but they're not helping their parents. That's honoring your parents by helping them the way with things that should be helped with. He says, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out teaching false doctrine so that they would be clearly shown that they're not of us. So the distinction is clear. 
to the to the children of God, to the to the preachers of God, they're preaching and teaching their their congregations that there's a difference in churches, there's a difference in people who say they're children of God and those that actually are children of God. We will pray, witness, and work for justice to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it says, Behold my servant, he, when he put the Spirit upon him, he'll bring forth justice and right and reveal truth to the nations. So as part of Romans, by faith, you remember I says, we are we're saved by grace through faith. As that faith grows, do we sin? No. It says, by faith, all of this that we're doing, so do we then nullify the law by this faith? That is, make the law of not effect the overthrowing the law? No, certainly not. On the contrary, we confirm and establish the law. We confirm and uphold the law since it convicts us of sin, pointing to the need for salvation. So if you're not seeing that you need salvation, but you're trying to hold the law or whatever, that's not how that goes. Israel couldn't do it. They were, it was weak through the flesh. You need salvation from God to establish the law. You need salvation from God to be upright and, and be a pleasing servant of God. So these people that are talking about Christian nationalism, they can't do it. The Spirit of God, not by power and not by might, it's by my spirit. And the only way that comes worldwide is through the Spirit of God. It's no super nation. It's no national nation that are chosen people of God. It's chosen vessels of God. It's bodies in throughout the world. They're scattered throughout the world. The power of God's holy people are being shown because there's no justice in this nation. Injustices, I didn't print that article where Elaine Cagle, Kagan of the Supreme Court, her and uh, Judge Roberts are saying about the court. And the court has went way off the rails. There's no justice in this justice in the street. This just fulfills what Christ had said uh, in Isaiah 59, 14 through 17. Remember I said all of the prophets and God prophesied of this and we talked about prophecy as God foretelling what is going to come about. But he's not only foretelling it, he helps bring this about because of our disobedience or whatever. His Providence places us right in the middle of his will at the right time. This is the nation, he says, 14 through 17. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departed from evil making himself a prey, and the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. You remember Vickman told the truth about what was going on in the last administration that he was in, and the truth is trump. When you tell the truth or speak what is right, you're destroyed and villainized. Justice is turned back. The Supreme Court and all of the judgments is not applied the right way or in a just manner. That's why we were talking about in Ezekiel that God's going to venerate us that mourn inside for what's done in the nation, what's done in the world. There are some pretty bad things that are going on. Uh, the oversight of DCFS, I think that's the acronym for what this Department of Family Services or whatever, this child that had been returned to the mother, the child that had received two overdoses on fentanyl within the, a year's time, this third time the child died. That shouldn't have happened. They had a follow-up article on that yesterday that this 14-year-old had been raped by one of the foster parents and it was told that they had found that out before previously, but they allowed or they returned the child to that same home where the man had molested him or whatever. 
but this is this is not a just a snippet, but this is happening throughout the whole nation. The nation, like I said, as democracy had failed, when that January sixth insurrection was allowed to go forth, when our president allowed that, that was symbolic of that there's no justice in the land and that democracy has failed, our senators and representatives has failed and turned their back on the nation, and we have to pray for the healing of the nation through Jesus Christ, through the salvation of Jesus Christ, because he has to destroy the nations, just like in Isaiah, the fifth chapter, he says, what shall I do with my vineyard? He should let his vineyard be destroyed. It's going to be trampled down. So that's what happens to the nation. That's what shall come to pass with this nation. They are talking in the news now about the war that's brewing with China. And with this last visit Pelosi made to Taiwan the other day, it makes fall forth that that time is coming. Justice has fallen. Listen, he says he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness. That goes the word of righteousness. His righteousness sustained, it sustained him. For he put on the righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his arm, on his head. They're getting ready for battle. And that's why I tell you, we should prepare for battle. We're in a war and judgment throughout this 43rd, 42nd chapter. We'll see that the judgment of God comes. As judgment falls, though, it's a battle. That's why I say it has past, present, and futuristic terminology in here. Because as the day of the Lord or that tribulation of judgment comes, we as children of God has to be girded about because as this coming, the preaching and teaching that we've gotten that we're going to be snatched out of here through some rapture or whatever and all of the dirt that a lot of Christians and people have done that they think they're going to be just snatched out of here miraculously in error. They're in error. He says that he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad for zeal as a cloak. We have to keep preaching and teaching the word of God and hammering that home. That's what brings about God's judgment. That's what brings all these things to a climax in our head. So that last point is acclamation. What is acclamation? Judgment, clapping, rejoicing. Because as this going about, we're rejoicing because we're seeing the coming of God. We feel this thing. It's within us that God's achieving his work. Us as his children, we see and hear his nearing, and He's. we're in a fortress. We're in the refuge of Jesus Christ, and we're giving him the glory. We're giving him the praise because each and every day that this war has went on, we're like Simeon. Simeon was a very old man. Anna was very old, but they saw the presence of Jesus Christ. They saw the Savior. But they battled. Both of them probably was in the hundreds. But they had battled the whole time. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a battle. We will be in this flesh struggling, like I said. So those of us that are in our 60s or 70s or 80s still fight to fight. That's why he says, I'll write unto you, old men. Because we still may see Jesus Christ come. Just as Simeon and Anna saw him come, we want to see Jesus. We give those things. We have to be overcome. It's a life and death struggle. The last one I want to go through here is Romans. This is the last point. Romans, the sixth chapter, the 19th through the 21st verse. It says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. And what fruit ye have in those things whereof you are now ashamed. So when you were sinners and had your fruits in sin, Aren't you ashamed of what you used to be? Even in early Christianity, 
we can still see where we wasn't as clean as we are now, and we still are being sorry for the things we did in early Christianity. We're growing and we're putting on. That's why it says, as a clothing, he, we're putting on Christ, that cloak that we're putting on, clothed in his righteousness, continually pulling off the old man, that old furniture, those old things we used to be. That's, that's where the joy comes. We're not what we was, but we're not all what we will be. Yes. He's changing us, and that's what strengthens us. Inside, we might have old bodies and everything, but in our minds, we feel stronger, just like Moses said. He could see further. He can stand stronger. So through my spirit, you just don't realize the strength I have, but this old body don't show that. But it's the spirit that gives it life. He says, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness in the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So as we put, put that off and put that on, we start to feel and understand that we have eternal life. We have eternal life. We're not fearing any other thing or whatever, but we're working hard, and we notice creation with the thundering and the rain and the weather patterns. People say, well, what's going on? Even the world noticed they say talking about climate change and different things that's happening in the animal world and different things that's happening. Look at the animation, the trees and the forest. I don't know if you got a chance to see those three segments of what Obama did with the great national parks and things and what was on Netflix. Well, he has one of those. And we look at creation. And this look what Romans, I wanted, the last one I'm doing here, Isaiah 42 and 4 says, He will not fail to become weak or be crushed and discouraged till he has established justice throughout the earth. And the islands and coastal regions shall wait hopefully for him, hopefully for him, and expect his direction and his law. In other words, all of the people and as the world, all of creation is waiting for these moments of the servants of God to come forward. It shows that, it fulfills that in the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, 19th through the 21st verse. Listen at this closely. And I'm so sorry for so much reading today, but the reading is necessary to implant this on your mind, that the scriptures are being fulfilled before our very eyes. He's clothing us in a cloak that shall strengthen us. If we would go back and meditate on this word and, and water it with prayer and actually walk therein, it, let it be part of your daily walk. Listen at this. Romans 8, chapter 19 through the 25th verse, he says, For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the suffering of this present life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. Even the whole creation, all nature waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. Everything is waiting for the manifestation for the children of God to start showing up. Doesn't it make you feel good to see people standing up throughout the world for the things of God? Even the false prophets and the false teachers and the false children of God, to see them stand also because we know every tree that our Heavenly Father hadn't planted shall be hewn down at the root. So they could work and help bring this forward all they're doing is laying this up for the righteous to inherit. Amen. All of their work and all of their action goes to the righteous. So we're not in com competition to pull them down and do evil. God's going to take care of them himself with fear and trembling. We work out our own salvation, but we're seeing the word of God being established in the earth. And that's throughout the earth, not just in this nation, but throughout the earth, in Russia, in Ukraine, in Australia, in Ireland, and throughout the Middle East, in China, in Taiwan. All of these places, God's word is coming true. 
It says, for the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly, but some of intentional fault on its own part, because Adam and Eve ate of that tree of the fruit or whatever, it was incomplicit in that, but there's a tree that we can eat of, the tree of the fruit of life that should sustain us. So all of creation is waiting for that very moment, but by the will of him who subjected it, God subjected everything and all to vanity and frustration of spirit. He says, from the earth you came, and from the earth you shall return. And it's go up, go up from the earth could come thorns and thistles. So all of creation has come to this degenerative state because of sin. But the whole creation is waiting. And that's why I say, if you read a See Those Nature documentary that I was talking about and look at it on Discover Channel and different channels, you'll see how much nature is put there to be enjoyed in all of its beauty. There's so much beauty to, to, to nature, and we are destroying the earth. That's some of the reason the weather patterns and things we have, because we're making all of these concrete jungles with all of these buildings and yeah. tearing down. They're becoming dilapidated and just moving, and we're like a plague moving through the land. Yeah. Corporations and everything is greed and it's covetous. This is not the creation that God wanted for us, but that Satan's world falling in upon itself and crumbling. But we as the that stone that's hewed out without hands, we're rising up and it's gonna be left to us. It says he's gonna establish a kingdom that shall not be destroyed. And it's gonna be left through the people because we will inherit all of these. So in hope that creation will also be freed from bondage to decay, to decay and gain interest into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been moaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only this, but we too who have the first fruits of the spirit, that is a joyful indications of the blessings to come. Even we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the sign of our adoption as sons of God, the redemption and transformation of our body at the resurrection. For in this hope we were saved by faith, but hope the object of which is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he have already seen? So here we are hoping for this kingdom praying for thy kingdom come, that his will be done. That one day this earth will be established with a glorious beauty and that we will have such a glorious body. A body that has no pain, that has no sorrow, that has no frustration, that we can run and not be weary. We'll walk and not faint. This body is going to be changed into an incorruptible body. But as we labor as servants of God, we're laboring to him, says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on into the kingdom I had prepared for you. I went away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. So this is what the Lord says to strengthen us. This is what the Lord God says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth, who gives breath to the people and spirit to those who walk on. That's the God that's saying this. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to accomplish this. As my servant, you were in me. And as co-heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, this is what you were working for. This is what you labored for all your This is what you suffered for. This is why you held my hand and walked in righteousness. The righteousness of Christ Jesus. All of those that are around you, that taunted you, all of the problems and trouble, Look, it's not worthy of what we have now, of the joy and happiness. Heavenly Father, as we come before you on this.